Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. But today, the, the title of the message is Move. We're, we're talking about moving. Um, and, and I want to start off with a story. It's kind of a funny story. I recently got a kayak. It was uh, a birthday present from my, my grandmother-in-law, who's here today with my family. Uh, and, and so I decided I was going to go out and, and try to get into the smaller creeks and, and bodies of water where people don't fish that often because I'm really not that good of a fisherman. Um, so I was hoping if, if I could get into some bodies of water where maybe there was less fishermen, I could have a better chance of catching fish. Um, so I got in the kayak, and, and Pastor Josh and I were actually talking about this, and there's a creek in the park right across the street, and we were thinking that it probably ran into Stumpy Lake, which is right down the road. Um, so I talked to a couple people, and they said they had actually been on the creek and got all the way to Stumpy Lake before, and I did a little research. So I, I was ready to go. I got in my kayak. I got in the creek, and uh, I didn't get very far because um, I got probably 100 yards down the creek, and there was just grass and weeds. Just, just, you know, just, I couldn't get through. There was, there was a block in the creek. Well, I, I had put a, a GoPro on my kayak because I wanted to uh, be able to kind of document my trip. And, and if I caught any fish, I wanted to be able to show everybody, look, I actually caught a fish. And, you know, if I saw something cool, look, I, I saw this, you know. But uh, so I get to the block in the creek, and it's just grass and weeds. And, and I see down a little further, there's more. So if I uh, decided I wanted to carry my kayak over the grass, I would just have to do that six, seven, eight more times. Uh, so I decided, you know, the trip is over. Uh, I only made it 100 yards, but the trip is over. I'm going to turn around. So I turned the kayak around, and, and just as I turned around, you know, I'm a bigger guy, so I guess there's a lot of movement when you, when you turn the kayak around. And I heard a splash behind me, uh, and my, my GoPro had fallen off. Uh, I kind of cheaply attached it to my kayak, and, you know, I thought it would be good, and it wasn't. It fell off. So uh, I decided I wasn't going to leave my, my GoPro at the bottom of the creek. So I paddled over to the side of the creek, and I got out uh, of my kayak, and, and I started wading into the creek. Um, mind you, this water is not moving, so this water is stagnant. It's, it's, it's stinky. It's gross. Uh, I didn't know how deep it was, so I had my life jacket on. And, uh, you know, because you're supposed to be safe, always have a life jacket. Um, so I get down to the creek, and, and I, I come to find out that, that it's about knee-deep of just mush and, and gunk and, and nastiness. It was really gross. But I did find my GoPro. Uh, I got out, praise the Lord, and uh, paddled back. And the worst part was how bad I smelt uh, when I got home. Amanda could even testify as how gross that was. Uh, I, I went immediately into the shower, didn't take my swimming trunks off or anything. I just wanted to rinse it off. Um, but anyways, I found my GoPro, but, but the water was, was gross. It was stagnant, right? And the reason that is because the water doesn't flow, and because the water's not flowing, it's the perfect environment for this thing called anaerobic bacteria to grow. I, I had to Google this. I don't know anything about science, but, but anaerobic bacteria grows in this creek, and uh, what the anaerobic bacteria does is it breaks down uh, the, the plant matter, the animal matter that's there. So really, it's just a, a bunch of death. It's gross. Um, but that smell that we smell from stagnant water is actually uh, hydrogen sulfide. Let me make sure I got that right. It's, it's hydrogen sulfide. And, and that's the, the, pr the product of these plant matter and animal matter breaking down. And that's what we smell. You know, there's a few synonyms for, for stagnant. They include motionless, lifeless, dead, sluggish, and depressed. And I was wondering if anyone besides me ever feels motionless, lifeless, dead, sluggish, or depressed. I think a lot of times in our day-to-day -day lives, we go through things where it makes us feel lifeless, or it makes us feel sluggish, or it makes us even feel dead or just depressed, right? Our life can sometimes get this way. It can get stagnant. Maybe the things 
that, that make you feel like this are your past. They remind you every day of what you've done. Maybe it's your fears that haunt you every day. The things that you're just scared of, they haunt you every day, and they make you just feel stagnant and sluggish and, and depressed. Or maybe it's your own understanding, and you don't know it yet, but the way that you view the world, the way that you view your relationship with the Lord, the way you view everything in your life is all wrong. Your understanding is wrong, and, and you stink, and other people smell the stagnant water, but you just don't get it yet. You know, maybe that's you this morning. So that's what I want to talk about. Uh, I feel like if, if you become stagnant this morning, uh, I have good news for you. Because we serve a God who can break down those barriers in the stagnant water. We serve a God who can cut down those gross weeds and everything. We don't have to carry our, our kayak over the weeds. He breaks down those barriers. And so I have good news for you today because that's our God. And there's a Bible story of a boy named Samuel that we're going to talk about. And he's surrounded by this idea of stagnation to movement. Right? Stagnation to movement. And by looking at the life of Samuel and the lives that, that took place around him, and their understanding uh, get in the way of them answering the call to move. Their understandings, their past, their fears, they get in the way of them being able to answer their call to move. Who, who, who knows our call is to move? Our, our call in life is never to stay still. It's never to stay stagnant. That's when we start to stink really bad, right? Until those people came face to face with the Lord, their life was stagnant. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I told uh, the team this morning that... that I'm actually preaching a sermon series all in one sermon. So we're going to cover a lot of scripture. Uh, so just try to, to follow along with me. But we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 1. The first person that we see in this story is a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah is the wife of Elkanah, and she desperately wanted to be a mother, but she was unable to have children. In verse 4 it says, On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, his other wife, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. They, they were practicing polygamy at that time, and, and uh, the Bible doesn't really come out and say that polygamy is not right, but it's funny how it tells us a bunch of different instances where there's a lot of problems when you do this, all right? Uh, men, there's a lot of problems. Uh, it goes on to say that her rival, which is Peninnah, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. You know, on top of that, Elkanah came out just like a man does, right? You know, I've only been married for, for less than a year, uh, and quickly I learned the things you can say and the things you can't say to your upset wife, right? There's some things you can say and some things you can't say. Elkanah hasn't learned it yet. He's got two wives, and he still hasn't learned it. But he said, uh, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Elkanah, come on, man. You can't just say, what's wrong? Why are you crying? What's wrong? Why are you crying? And then say, am I not enough for you? No, your, your wife wants to have children. Elkanah, he, he doesn't get it yet. Um, but you see, Hannah has these fears. She's afraid she'll never be a mother. She's afraid she'll never have children or grandchildren. She'll, she'll never get to experience the joys of motherhood or, or grandchildren running around. You know, uh, Her rival, Peninnah, she has all these children. She has a relationship with her husband, and, and they're happy. And she's afraid that she's never going to fulfill that need that her husband has, that desire that her husband has. She's afraid their relationship will, will not be good, that she won't be pleasing to her husband in the way that Peninnah is. See, Hannah had a lot of things to be scared of. And today, you may even, may even have some of those same fears. Maybe you and your spouse are trying to have children, and maybe it's not working. Maybe you're scared you'll never find a relationship. 
Maybe you're scared that you'll never live up to someone's expectations of you. Or maybe you're even scared that you won't live up to your own expectations of you. Young people, maybe you're afraid of the upcoming school year and the pressure that that brings. You know, the pressure of school is so hard, even for our college students who are going back to college, our teachers who are going back to college, there's a lot of pressure that comes along with going back to school. And so maybe that's what your fear is this morning. You see, in the midst of Hannah's fear, she decided not to stay stagnant. Hannah decided not to wallow in her fear, not to stay depressed or fearful. The passage says that Hannah vowed a vow to the Lord that if she did, that if she did give that if the Lord did give her a son, she would give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. The passage says that she was weeping so bitterly that she was in such anxiety that when Eli saw her praying at the temple, he actually thought she was drunk. The, the passage says that her mouth was moving, but there was no sound coming out. And, and Eli says to her, you know, why, why are you drunk? Get out of here, right? And, and she says, no, I'm, I'm just a troubled woman pouring out my soul before the Lord. I'm just a troubled woman. Maybe today you're a troubled man or woman and you just need to pour out your soul before the Lord. You know, the first point of this sermon is to leave your fear behind. We need to leave our fear behind and just pour out our heart and our soul before the Lord and then he can heal us through that. And you know, She came face to face with the Lord and we're about to find out that she gets healed. You know, I asked one of our students, Alex, to share her story of overcoming her fear. Alex had a lot of fear in her life when I first met her back in November, like Pastor Corey said. You know, the fear of, of friendships and of relationships, and really her fear was getting in her way of moving. So let's, let's watch Alex's story here. So when I started freshman year in high school, it was a new environment and I wasn't adjusting to it well. I started um, getting filled with anxiety and cared about how other people thought of me and I was just really suffering and I had my first suicide attempt. Then going into sophomore year, um, I had toxic relationships with a guy and my friends. And I was living in my own world and I wasn't thinking about my family or who I was hurting or church or at all. Um, there was a period of time where I wasn't even going to church at all. I would skip it, I would sleep in. Um, I wasn't working out, I wasn't eating right, my sleep schedule was off, and I just felt deeper and deeper into depression, and it wasn't doing me any good at all. And then I was just losing myself, I would cry every night, and I just, I was losing faith in God. And then in March I had had my second suicide attempt, except this time I had been hospitalized at a behavioral center. Um, when I was at the Behavioral Center, they had diagnosed me with depression, rule-out adjustment disorder, and anxiety disorder. And going to the Behavioral Center, what they intended to help me, it wasn't helping me at all. And when I left, I was still the same, anxious and depressed. And then I put me in therapy and it still wasn't working. And then my first Sunday after my suicide attempt, I had came back to church. And it wasn't until when I confessed all my feelings, all my sins, and how I was feeling did I not start feeling God come back into my life. I started going back to church. I was hanging out with the right people. I had left all my toxic relationships. And I was listening to my mom again. And the whole, through the whole journey, my mom and the church had never given up on me. They were always praying for me and they were always there for me. And most importantly, God never gave up on me at all. And it's just such, like, I'm so much better now. Like, 
I'm really happy and like when I look back on it I can't even believe that I was in such a dark place and it's just really beautiful how God works and what all that he's done for me and I, I even tried to leave Virginia after my second suicide attempt because I just couldn't go back to school but little did I know that all I needed was God and I just had to go to him and now I'm here and happy and well. <laughs> I had my fears, but when I really came to Jesus was when I was able to move on. Amen. Thank you, Alex, for sharing that. You know, I can't look at Alex right now. I'll start crying. But, but Alex really was in a dark place when I first met her. And, and it's so cool to see the, the transformation that she's been through. And, and she's so happy and she's so cheerful now. And even a couple weeks ago, I, I had the opportunity to baptize her. And to see her life change is miraculous. But, you know, I love what she said at the end. She said, I had my fears. But when I finally came to Jesus, when I laid my fears at the feet of Jesus, that is when I was finally able to move on. When I laid my fears at the feet of Jesus, that is when I was finally able to move on. You know, Alex also told about how she wanted to really just run away. She, she couldn't go back to school. She couldn't see the people that she used to hang out with. She couldn't see the people that knew she tried to kill herself. She couldn't see the people who knew the life that she used to live because she knew that that, that was just too much. But instead of running away, she decided to lay her, her, her fears at the feet of Jesus. She decided to lay her fears at the feet of Jesus and to say, guess what? I don't need fears where God is taking me. Because God says, your fears have to stay if you want to move on. Your fears have to stay behind if you want to go where I'm taking you. If you really want to move your fears, they've got to stay. Because I'm not taking you anywhere with fear. I'm only taking you to a place where there's no fear, where there's happiness, where there's peace, where there's joy. When Alex left her fears behind, she found a life full of happiness, a life full of friendship. You see these girls right here? These are her best friends. She found a relationship with the Father that loves her. And when Hannah left her fears behind, she found herself pregnant with a son. She found herself pregnant with a son named Samuel. The, the, the name Samuel means God heard. You know why? When, when you turn your attention to God, guess what? He hears. When you decide to call on God, He hears. When you confess your fears to God, he hears. Maybe this morning you're like Alex and you're, you're stagnated in your fears and you're staying in the situations that, that brought you that fear. Like Hannah, God has called us out of fear. He has called us to move. But we have to leave our fears behind. Chapter 1, verse 10 says that she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to you all the days of his life. You see, it was out of, out of Hannah's fear that her desperation for the Lord came. Out of our fear, we get desperate for something. Sometimes we feel our fill our desperation with pain, with substances, with love, with attention, but God wants you to fill that desperation with him because he says, where I'm taking you, there can't be any fear. Where I'm taking you, there can't be anything else that you're trying to fill yourself with. Where I'm taking you, there can only be trust in me. God is calling you to move and to leave your fears behind. Verse 25 says that when the child was old enough, they brought the child to Eli. This is the priest. He, he said, oh my Lord, or Hannah said, oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. 
She arrived to fulfill her promise to the Lord. And she left Samuel in Eli's care. You see, Eli, he already had two sons. Uh, they served in, in the temple with him there in Shiloh. Uh, but the Bible says they were, they were worthless sons. Chapter 2, 12 says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men, and they did not know the Lord. They were serving in the temple, but they were worthless men. They didn't know the Lord. They were worthless in the eyes of the Lord because verse 17 says, Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. That word contempt just means worthlessness. They treated the offering of the Lord with, they, they thought it was worthless. And, and Eli, he was the father of these young men. He didn't stop them from their wicked ways. He just let it keep going. You know, he, he was a father and he did what, what most fathers do when they're grown sons. They say, boy, I've heard some, some stories about you. Boys, I've, I've heard some stories about what you're doing in the temple and it's not okay. I, I want you to know people know what you're doing and it's not good. But that's as far as Eli went. That's as far as he went. He, he rebuked them, but, but that's all. You see, Eli had the, the authority both as the father and the high priest to have these boys removed. You know, they were his sons. He could have said, boys, you're not ready for this. Get out. He was the high priest. He could have said, guys, you're not doing it right. Get out. But, but instead, he just let the things that were habits go on. He let the things that were habits in his life go on. They were worthless habits, but he let them go on just because they've been going on long enough. Why, why stop it now? Right? We've been called to move to advance, to become new and improved. And when we let those things that are, that are habits, that are worthless, simply go on, all we're doing is really just being okay with staying stagnant. We're just, all we're doing is being okay with floating in that nasty river with, with muck that deep, and, and we're okay with that when we let our worthless habits go on. When we let worthlessness slide by because it's just because it's the norm, really we're just staying stagnant. We come to find out later that Eli letting this worthlessness run on actually grieved the Lord to the point that the, that the Lord cursed Eli's family. His family tree didn't, didn't go on any, any further than his sons. You know, his sons and his family had no more power in the house of the Lord. Eli had failed as a father. Eli had failed as a father. He, he had let the actions of his sons get in the way of his relationship with the Lord. And sometimes it's hard to hear, but the Lord calls us to put him first. Even before our sons, even before our family, even before our husbands and our wives, he says, put me first and I'll take care of the rest. You see, when Alex continued to keep her friendships and, and those friends who only made her feel more and more depressed and anxious, she almost, it almost cost her her life. Right? When she decided to stay in those worthless places, it almost cost her her life. When we let worthlessness run on in our life, we become stagnant. We allow our lives to become stinky and gross and depressed. Really what we need to do is leave our past behind. Right? We need to let our past stay behind. Eli was actually given a second chance, right? Hannah brought this boy Samuel to, to Eli, and he said, she said, Eli, will you, will you take care of my boy? Will you raise my boy in the Lord? Will you teach him to be a priest, to be a prophet of the Lord? And, and Eli said, yes. Eli had the second chance of, of bringing a young man up in the way of the Lord. He had a second chance of, of having a son, if you would. He had a second chance of, of bringing this boy up to be a priest, to work in the temple the right way. Some of you need to know you have a second chance this morning. Alex had a second chance. Alex had a third chance. And guess what she did? She, she decided she was going to give everything to the Lord. She was going to leave her fears behind. She was going to leave her past behind. And she was going to start living for the Lord. Some of you need to know, again, that you have a second chance this morning. What things in your past do you need to give up and let go? What things in your past do you need to give up and let go so that you can move on and answer your call? See, Eli took on new purpose. 
Eli took on new responsibility. He said, I know that I failed with these two boys before, but I have a new purpose. I have this new boy named Samuel. I have this new purpose. His name is Samuel. I have this new responsibility. His name is Samuel. He moved into his calling. So what barriers need to be broken down of the past so that you can move on this morning? Eli had a second chance to raise this boy named Samuel. He had a second chance to raise this boy named Samuel in the way of the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. See, in our world, I think the word of the Lord is rare. Kids, when you go back to school, the word of the Lord is rare, isn't it? You can't read your Bible in public. You can't even pray before sports games, hoping no one gets hurt. The word of the Lord is rare in those days. It also says that there were no frequent visions in those days. And, and I think that's where we're at today. When you guys go back to work on Tuesday, if you start doing a Bible study, people are going to look at you weird, right? If you start just praying at your desk, people are going to look at you weird. This is my first time being a pastor. I've got that cool word in front of my name. And, and when people know that you're a pastor, all of a sudden, it's like, ooh, we can't say those words. It's like, ooh, we can't, we can't act that way. And, you know, they, they slip the word and they say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor Nick. And, and it, you know, it's okay because we live in a broken world. We live among broken people. Um, I'll even confess there sometimes I slip those words, all right? We're pastors, but we slip those words, right? Because we live in a broken world and we're broken people. Just because we have this word pastor in front of our name does not make us perfect. But we live in a broken world and, and people look at you weird when the Lord is present in your life. Verse 4 says, Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But, but Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and he laid down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call you, my son. Lay down again. See, the Lord called Samuel once, and he thought it was Eli. The Lord called Samuel twice, he thought it was Eli. Verse 7 said, Now Samuel, uh, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed in him. Samuel didn't know the Lord yet. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed in Samuel yet. And, and really the word of the Lord, that's Jesus before Jesus came, right? Jesus had not been revealed to Samuel yet. Samuel didn't have Jesus in his life yet, but guess what? Samuel was still ministering before the Lord. So, so maybe you don't quite understand everything about this Christian faith, but guess what? You can still minister before the Lord. Maybe there's some things you don't quite understand yet, but guess what? You can still come to church. You can still listen. You can still read your Bible. You can still trust in a God you don't quite understand yet. Because Samuel didn't even know Jesus was, or the Lord was calling him. Samuel didn't even know the Lord was calling him to do a great thing, and he was still ministering before the Lord. It says that Samuel, or that the Lord called Samuel a third time, and he arose, and he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. You see, Eli wasn't used to this. The, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were rare in those days. Eli wasn't used to this. He was just like, boy, shut up and go to bed, right? Like when your kids, I don't have kids yet, but my dog, she barks all the time. But when your kids wake you up in the middle of the night, you're like, shut up and go to bed, right? No, but, but, but Eli said, just go to bed. But then finally he realized that the, kid, that, that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you again, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and he laid down in his place. Get ready. The Lord called him and he stood. The Lord came and stood, calling us at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. I love this. Samuel stood up and he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
Can you just think of a small child, a small boy? He's young. He's young. And he stands up and he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a crazy thing to think about? A son stands up and he says, speak, Lord, for your servant. He's listening. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready to take on what you've got for me. I'm ready to go. He says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You see, the Lord called Samuel a third time. He thought it was Eli, but Eli finally understood that the Lord was finally calling a new prophet. He was finally calling the the new son of God, the new prophet to come and speak the word of the Lord. But you see, Samuel had his own understanding of how things worked. Even Eli had his own understanding of how things worked. Eli was an old man. He had been raised in this profession of priest for a long time. He should have known the first time that when the boy was called, it was the Lord. But but he, he had let his own understanding of how the Lord works get in the way. He thought that Samuel thought that when he was called, it just had to be his teacher. Right? Because the Lord doesn't speak to us anymore. Right? The Lord doesn't come around anymore. It's just got to be my teacher calling me. But you see, Samuel finally got the, 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 the understanding that the Lord was calling him again. Do you have an understanding this morning that's keeping you from moving on? Do you understand the world a way that's keeping you from moving on? Do you, do you understand the Lord as someone who doesn't move anymore? He doesn't speak in your life. He doesn't fill your Holy Spirit like he does those other people in church. You don't get the whole raising your hands and praising and saying amen. You don't get that because the Lord doesn't work that way with you. Guess what? He can. He can if you just let your understanding stay behind and let him take you to the new place he's taking you. Maybe you have doubts about the Lord. Maybe there's something that's hard that's happened in your life and you think, how in the world can this Lord guy be real if he's letting all this stuff happen in my life? If he's letting people I love die in my life, how could he possibly be real? One of our students, Tyler, he had some doubts about the Lord working in his life. When he was met with a roadblock in his life, he had to come to a decision. Am I going to leave my understanding behind and take up the Lord's understanding or am I just going to try to do it my way? Let's watch Tyler. So when my dad first, when we first found out that he was going to pass away soon and his uh, days were coming shorter, it was kind of hard to finally accept it, you know? Like you, you hear about it happening to other people, but you never think that it would happen to you. And then when it does, you don't really know what to think, you know? You kind of think, did I do something wrong to deserve this? Am I being punished? Is this, like, what is this? Why is it happening? But um, I guess eventually you, after you kind of, let it sink in, you understand that, you know, things happen for a reason. You don't know what the reasons are, only God does, and you just kind of have to blindlessly follow. But uh, the deeper that you get into it, and the harder you look, and the more that you try to understand what's going on, the more you're going to find, the more you're going to find that God really does love you. And He's not doing this to hurt you. He's not doing this to stab you in the back or make you feel like you're less than someone else. He's making you stronger. He's planning your life. And He's doing good things for you, you know? And uh, I just think that, that was, that's really important. And that, that's hard for myself and my siblings and the rest of my family to kind of grasp. And uh, But I hope that in my story, in my life, I get to help others in similar situations, you know, kind of work their way through it, maybe find another way than just, this isn't good, you know, find something good about it. Maybe it's for me, when my dad passed, you know, I gotta step up, I gotta, I'm the oldest in the house now, I gotta take care of my siblings, I got a lot of things to do, and you know, that's just a part of life, so you kinda gotta work with that. A lot of times God's blessings, you feel like they're supposed to be amazing, 
and there's supposed to be something that's just gonna pop out in front of you and you're just gonna be in awe of it. But you, can, you gotta understand if that's the way everything was, then it would be meaningless because God wouldn't have anything to give you if you already had it. Um, but I guess through my youth group and my family and Pastor Nick and Pastor John, they all kind of taught me, you know, God's blessings come in the dark and in the light. And uh, you gotta look for it and you gotta try to find it because the ones that are in the dark make the ones that are in the light so much better. Um, before, at first, I was kind of stuck. I didn't know where to go. It was just kind of, I need to understand what's going on. But after Jesus kind of worked his way into it, I finally understood that I could move on in my life and work my way through it more. Amen. Tyler said the deeper you look, the harder you look, the more you start to realize God is in the midst of it. I don't know how dark your situation is this morning, but, but Tyler understands that God works in the light and he works in the dark. You know, uh, the first little bit of this passage about Eli or about Samuel, it says that, that the light had almost gone out in the temple. It was dark. It was dark, but God called him in the dark. Tyler said he thought the Lord might have been punishing him. He, he didn't understand what was going on. He thought something was wrong, that he did something wrong. But it was only when he was able to rely on the Lord's understanding of how his life was supposed to go, how his father's life was supposed to go, that he was able to move on. He was able to answer the call to take up and be a leader in his household, to take up and be a leader in his youth group, because he's got siblings. He's got a sister. He's got two brothers, and, and he's got a mom, and, and he's, he's, the, he's the big brother now. He decided, as soon as I finally understand, I, I can start to move on. I can start to take up leadership and answer my call to be a, a witness, even to my family members. What understandings do you need to give up so that you can finally move on this morning? Maybe you just need to trust in the Lord. Maybe you need to trust Him with your relationship. Maybe your relationship with your wife or your husband or your family or your kids, it's strained, and you just need to trust Him with that relationship. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you go to work every day, and, and you think, God doesn't know the boss I work for. God doesn't know the people I have to work with. God doesn't know the situations I have to go through every day when I go to work. Well, maybe if you just start to trust Him, Maybe you'll start to understand, because guess what he does? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you think, God doesn't know the bills I have to pay. God doesn't know how little I make it work. God doesn't know how hard it is for me to balance the budget to make sure that all the bills are met, all the lights stay on, all the water keeps running, and my kids have food to eat. Guess what he does? And maybe if you just trust his understanding, it'll start to, to feel a little better. Maybe you'll start to finally move on when, when we finally start to trust in God's understanding. The Bible tells us not to lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge him in all of our ways. When we lean on our own understanding, guess what we get? Hurt. When we lean on our own understandings, guess what we get? Broken. When we lean on our own understandings, the only thing that happens is a bigger mess. The bills just pile up, right? The job just gets worse. The family relationships just get worse. When we start to lean on our own understanding, things just get messy. They get stagnant. But when we trust those things to God's understanding... It's like kabing, kaboom. Things start to move. We start to grow again. God is calling you to be a light in a dark world. There's people that, that believe a lot of different things than their Bible teaches. There's people who think that other things are okay that our Bible says are not okay. We're called to be a light in those dark worlds. That's your calling. God is calling you to trust in him. First and foremost, he says, trust me. He says, trust me. So, so what does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant 
is listening. Are, are you ready to answer that call and move on? Are you tired of being in that stinky, gross water that doesn't move and you don't move and you'd rather just turn around and get out of the water? Wouldn't you rather just turn around and get out of the water and say, to heck with it all, let's just, let's just finish this. But God's calling you to keep moving. You see, to, to God, those little patches of grass that I didn't want to carry my kayak over, that's nothing. God says, Psh, I got that. He says, that water's going to be flowing in any minute now. Just give me one second. That's what God says, but we trust in our own understanding. We rely on our fears to inform how we live. We, we rely on our past to inform how we live. We rely on our minds that we think are so bright to, 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 to inform how we live. But God says, just trust in me, church. I mentioned earlier that, that we find out that Eli's family was cursed because of Eli's past failures. Eli only learned about this curse when the Lord finally spoke to Samuel. And you see Samuel, he was afraid to tell Eli. He was like, uh, Eli, you sure you want to hear this, man? Uh, but he did, and when he, told, when he told Eli the news, he said, this is what Eli said, so, so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And then Eli said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. So it's, it's the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. I think often we just want to do our own thing because it makes sense in our eyes. We just want to do our own thing because it feels good for us. We just want to follow our own way because, you know, I'm following a new path and it's my own. Right? I'm, I'm focusing on myself right now. God doesn't want you to focus on yourself. He wants you to focus on him. He'll worry about you. You just worry about him. See, there's, there's this song uh, that Pastor Corey shared with me. It's called This is a Move, and, and the lyrics are beautiful. And Emily, if you would come. It says, mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe, because yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. Eli and Samuel didn't understand that wonders were still what God did. But guess what? Wonders are still what he does. It says, bodies are still being raised. Giants are still being slain. And God, we believe, because yes, we can see that wonders are just what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. We set our hearts on you. Come and do what you do, because we need a move. It says that bodies are still being raised. Giants are still being slain. In God we believe, because yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. We set our hearts on you. Come and do what you do, because we need a move. Church, Eli understood that mountains were still being moved. Those big mountains that block our way of moving, God moves them. The water flows when God moves those mountains. He knew that strongholds were still being loosed. He knew that those tough places in our life where it feels like we're just chained down, where we're just bonded to the fear, to the past, to the hurt, he knew that strongholds were still being loosed. The chains were still being broken. He knew that bodies were still being raised. Guess what? Sometimes we feel like we've died. Our spirit has died. Our, our, our happiness has died. Our, our, our everything has died because I can't get rid of my fear. I can't get rid of my past. But guess what? Bodies are still being raised. Eli knew that giants were still being slain. There's giants in our lives, amen? There's giants that look too big for us to conquer. But guess what? Giants are still being slain because wonders are just what God does. Wonders are what God majored in. Wonders are what God, that's, that's just what he does. That's who he is. He makes wonders. He does wonders in our lives. What mountains need to move so that water can flow in your life again? What mountains need to move? What strongholds need to be loose so that water can flow again? What needs 
what needs to be raised inside of you so that you can move again? What dead things need to be taken out so that life can move and happen inside you again? What giants are in your way of moving? What are the things that are hard in life, the things that seem too big to conquer? They need to be slain because wonders are still what our God does. The question is, will you answer the call to the Lord and decide to move again? We need to move again, church. We need to move again. We need to stand up and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Because we need to move. I've asked the band to come back up in just a second and and play that last song, Freedom Reigns, because I think that freedom is what we need this morning. We've got fears that just need to be cast away. We've got a past that needs to be left behind. We've got understandings of how we think things work, how we think things should go, and they need to be left behind. We need freedom in this place this morning. And I love what Tisha said. We don't need freedom just in these four walls. We need freedom right here. We need freedom right here because we think, we think, we think, we think, and we think, and then finally we get to the decision that nothing's going to happen. Right? We just think, and we think, and we think, and we think, and then nothing happens. We need freedom in here, and we need freedom in here. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask... For, for, the, for the prayer team to come up. And if you need prayer this morning, I, I just encourage you to pray with our prayer team. They would love to help you decide today that you're going to leave your fear behind, that you're going to leave your past behind, that you're going to leave your own understanding behind. Because if you need that this morning, guess what? You don't know when your second chance is going to be. But God wants you to come to his feet and say, God, I leave my fear behind. And then, he, and then you're finally able to move. He says, where I'm taking you, fear is not allowed, so leave it behind. Where I'm taking you, your past doesn't matter, so leave it behind. Where I'm taking you, you need to think like I think, so leave your own understandings behind. That's what can happen for you this morning if you just lay your fears, your past, your understandings at the feet of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for freedom. Lord, I thank you for second chances. Lord, I thank you for third chances. Lord, I thank you that our fear is not allowed where you're taking us. I thank you that our past is not needed where you're taking us. I thank you that our understanding doesn't need to be perfect where you're taking us because you've got one already. Lord, I pray that in our hearts and our minds this morning, we can decide that freedom is going to reign. That we're not going to stay bonded to our fears and to our past. That giants are not going to still hover over us and say you're not enough. Lord, I pray in our hearts and in our minds this morning, freedom can reign. Spirit, fill this place and work a good work in us this morning because we need something new. We need a move. Speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.